Yeah, they had us the first half, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, could be Wayne! I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh! I love it, baby! Them orange bridges! Something about them orange bridges! Ball hit high in the air in the right field! Going back to Sayre! And Tennessee can say hello with Column! A grand slam in the bottom of the ninth! You can't draw it up any better! We just won a basketball game and we're very happy right now. I made up my mind, I don't expect to ever look back. I'm going to stay at the University of Tennessee. Yeah! Read it, did to do, and welcome into more important issues. It is Friday, July 22nd. I'm Caleb Mitchell. Joining me, Joey Boots. I hope we're sticking with that nickname because it's it's way too cool. So no, we're sticking Boots on the ground. Perfect. Perfect. Um, we've got. I know we're we're coming at you later than normal. Um, Landon's out of town. He's cruising, and uh, so we just we wanted to get a show in though before the end of the week because there is a lot to talk about. SEC media days, of course, is a is a, a big deal, and that'll that'll kind of fuel our our talk about the expectations for this year because, of course, that was um, surrounding all of that, and then uh, the MLB draft, which it, it's. I don't know about for you. It's always bittersweet. Of course, it's it's great to see all these dudes get drafted, make money, but it sucks to see them leaving the program. Especially, with, I mean, I guess pretty much everybody had a year left because of the COVID year. But guys that would really benefit your team, so it is bittersweet. It's cool to see them do that, but I hate to see them go. Yeah, you're right. I guess it's it's technically bittersweet, but like it, it stinks. But at the same time, you're like, you know, we're reaching that point where it's like, go get that money, dude. Like, let's go. We'll bring some, keep filling right. it in, and stay where we're at. Good for him. And I mean, it's, it is good for recruiting to see. I mean, not that none of these guys, like none of these guys were not draft dudes when, you know, when they're out of school for a few years, but you've got guys going in the first round. Um, you've got, I mean, a program record going um, in 10 guys and you had 11, an 11th guy signed. So it's a, it's a big deal. It's really, I mean, it's good for the Tennessee program in the long run. Um, just could obviously, it could, it changes the, the team roster next year. So, um, but we'll, we'll get into all that. I do want to mention shout out to university, university of traditions. I don't shout them out enough. They're great to us. Um, Joe, we got to get you a hat. I'll, I'll get you one in this. this yeah, he's, he's about to send us some more over. I've got some dope visors <clears throat> that are going to be worn at the hackers tournament. Um, the hackers cup. So or hacker cup, we're going to have a whole sponsorship. We're giving away free tickets to Missouri for closest to the pen. We'll have some merch university of traditions, Great, great partnership there. They're, they're awesome. Um, they're going to have some merch for the winner for closest to the pin. So it's going to be a, a good, fun tournament, handing out free drinks. Um, it's going to be a tailgate on whatever. I don't, I don't know what hole we're on yet, um, but it's going to be a great, great tailgate, whatever hole we're on. So I'm excited for that. Um, you also have the chance to beat me. I'm actually playing in it. So not that it's not hard, it's hard, not hard to beat me, but you have the opportunity to do so in, the, in this in the Hacker Cup. So go sign up. We've got a link on our Twitter. I'll send it out again um, probably tomorrow. Uh, since it's getting late here. Uh, so look out for that, but you can go on my Twitter and more important issues, Twitter and find that link. Um, so do that. Let's, let's talk sec. Let's, let's get into it. And, and I want to lead off Maybe. with just the most bold prediction of all time. Clark Lee saying Vanderbilt is going to be a top football program. is just, I mean, it's hilarious. It's, I understand he kind of has to believe it, but if you don't, 
just don't say something like that's an absurd statement to make. Yeah. I mean, like I'm all for morale. I'm all for like the right energy. You know, if you go in and say, we're not ever going to be the best football team, I get it. But Caleb, the, the, drug epidemic in america has obviously gotten to college football it's becoming a serious problem like it's i don't know what he started before he went out there but dude you got reeled in a little bit you got to be you got to be realistic if you want me to take you seriously you got to be realistic a little bit yeah and it's kind of just if i'm a vanderbilt football player i, I don't know because i think there's a line where you, you got to find realistic expectations and then act you know goals like you don't set no player at vanderbilt should have the goal of even winning the sec this year that's an absurd goal to have right and I, I think even – I don't know. If he believes it, good for him. But let's just be honest. It's not going to happen. So, Even if you went out and said, like, you know, best team in the SEC East, like, okay, we can start there. Probably not <laughs> close at all still, but at least we're taking baby steps. We're not jumping straight to the best team in yes. SEC or college football. Like, come on. And if does he mean due time, like, when, like, 200 years from now, when college football, like – I think he means, like, when everyone's moved on to when it's just, like, the SEC and Big Ten and – Bandy's got kicked out, and so they're like, yeah, we technically won, but like, they're the only relevant team besides like Oklahoma State, maybe. Here's the thing. They so lost to FCS uh, ETSU. They can't, they can't move to the yeah. SoCon. They can't move to the SoCon and, and win. I mean, yeah, you just, just win an SEC game. Let's, let's start there. Like you said, baby steps. Baby steps. Um, and, and then, yeah. But, and before we go to move on to more SEC media days, I do want to talk about, I don't know if you saw, did you see what Mac Brown, talking about a guy that just keeps it real. Um, so counter of, of Clark Lee there, he said, they asked him about being underrated this year. And he said, well, it's better than I thought we were criminally overrated or yeah, overrated last year. Just to do that's like, Hey, we were not going to be that good. You all are idiots. We knew it. Um, if I'm, his, if I'm on his team, I'm like, Hey, he's honest. He's not feeding so much bull crap. I respect it. Uh, maybe not the best way to say it. But I respect it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I always respect that, like, especially like a coach or player or someone that can be real with you. It's like, okay. I mean, I know you're supposed to have a positive attitude, but let's have a realistic positive attitude. Yeah. And I mean, they were overrated. Not that they, they didn't have a great year, but not that they had just, they didn't have a Vanderbilt year. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk of, of SEC media days. I've got some stuff kind of written down to um, discuss. I think the big one, it, because it's still new. Um, and then you've had a lot of coaches in the offseason comment. You obviously had the the Saban and Jimbo back and forth is NIL. And I know you we were talking about it before this, Tennessee, rolling out some new NIL initiatives. I just don't – I don't know. They're, they're acting like it's the wild, wild west with NIL. Wasn't college football already the wild, wild west? Yeah, I think it already was, and I think it is trending a little bit crazy. But, I mean – what did you expect? It's already been kind of kind of wild so far. Yeah, and I mean, maybe there's just a section of college football fans because like ten year old me <clears throat> would have been like Tennessee never cheats. We're the the best program. We do everything the right way. Yada yada. And you probably could argue that when Tennessee sucked, except for Jeremy Pruitt. But it, it's just not true. Tennessee's like they've always been paying players. There's always been the the hundred dollar handshakes that are now like thousand dollar handshakes, and dot, you're getting Dodge Chargers. Um, I mean, you even had that with, uh, I think Eric Dickerson got a car or something. I mean, when he, it's just, it's always been, it's always been crazy. So I just don't, again, I don't understand. I think NIL is a better way to educate players. Um, because I think, I think, uh, uh Josh Heupel said it best. He, he was on busting with the boys, I think. And he was like, now players are learning that they have a brand to take care of. Like this isn't, 
what they do matters because now they have a, a name to represent, a company to represent, whoever it is that's paying them. And, and so I think it is a you're not getting paid under the table. You, you're responsible for how much you make. Your play reflects that. Your um, personality, your character is now going to reflect what you make. I, I think this could be a valuable learning opportunity. And I feel like a lot of coaches are just – and I think Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin are flat out lying when they, they say it's bad for the game. I think they know it's good for the game. Um, the game is only going to get better for it, and they're just flat out lying for whatever reason. Nick Saban probably just to get ahead. So – I think it could be a valuable thing for – you always talk about how players get into the NFL. They don't know how to manage money. Well, let's give them $60,000 quote-unquote contracts. Learn how to manage sixty grand, and maybe when you get a million dollars, it's not – obviously, that's way different than sixty grand. but now you know how to manage it. You know how to, how to make money kind of work for you. Like You know how to utilize it for the future, and you don't just go dead broke. So this could be a value learning opportunity that I think a lot of people are discrediting. Yeah, I mean, like – there's the fans that like get super into it. They're like, it's changing the face of college football, like specifically for their team. And I get that like the players have a, have a job of playing for the team that you're a fan of, but they have their own thing. Like they're trying to make their own career. You got to remember that like these steps that they're taking to be able, like you said, to have like these smaller contracts and, and learn the, the real world of sports and the professionality of it. And honestly, in our opinion, get their fair share of what they yep. haven't been able to opportunities like that's just the opportunity that they've been able to not take for however long now. And it's like, you know, you got to respect that at some point that, yes, you're still a fan of that team and you you don't want it to affect your team negatively. But these are also the better decisions for the players themselves, which should entail make you happy as a fan of <laughs> Right. Yeah, you're cheering. A lot, I mean, a lot of times you obviously cheer for the team over the player, but especially Tennessee fans, you get. I mean, look at there's a ton. I mean, there's a ton to list off the, that have become fan favorites that haven't played at Tennessee in <clears throat> years, twenty years. So sure. yeah, no, for sure, you should cheer for the players and and be happy. I mean, you wouldn't want your normal everyday child going to the University of Tennessee and working in the athletic department for <clears throat> for just a scholarship. They're putting in over forty hours a week just to have their school paid for. They still have to go to class. They still have to study. They, like it's it's not all football it's not all school it, i mean it's good and, and yeah there's going to be some overinflated stuff and there probably does need to be better control but the fact is it's not flat out bad for the game that's just not a true statement yeah I, and again like opening the doors to like what kind of was already happening behind right. the scenes like if you some people make a statement like oh well this is like dude i remember this is still college and stuff how close was it to college when you were dealing with shady, you know, houses getting paid for and car payments and stuff as a student who's, you know, oh, no, I'm just going to class and stuff. And all these things happen behind the scenes. I feel like if you at least open up to it and you, you make it visible, it's like, OK, well, they're still living a normal college life. Like we still make them get their academics straight and stuff. But at yeah. the same time, they're doing what every other college student is doing and trying to prepare for their future as well financially and yeah. as, an, as an adult. For sure. Uh, I, I'm, I hope they do. I hope they can kind of iron it out just to maybe squ squash some of this talk because I'm sick of it. It's very annoying. Um, it's also not going to change. It's, the Supreme Court ruled on it. I don't know what they want the NCAA to do. <laughs> there's no, like there's nothing they can do. Right, right. I don't understand. Um, also, I, I want to give a shout out to Hypo. He, I, I enjoyed his comment. I, I thought I, I always, I've always said you can't win your job in, in um, press conferences. You can only lose it. I just thought he handled himself really well. I loved the shot 
he took at um, Kiffin about the he wish he had a golf like that. All of Kiffin's trash talk. And he, it always seems kind of planned. He always seems like he has a couple buzzwords he tries to plug in somewhere. Yeah. And I love that Hype was just kind of rifted off. He was like, no one's handed me one. I just wish I had one that night. Like, it was perfect. I loved it. I, 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 and what he didn't even mention Ole Miss. Ten, you know, a lot of times Lane Kiffin has to go tweet at Tennessee fans to get his trash. Right. Off. Well, I, I like it because he does a good job of encapsulating the mind of the Tennessee fans. Obviously, <laughs> like, I think everybody watching that game, either there or, on TV, wish they had a golf ball to throw, but sure. at the same time, keeping it like not the Lane Kiffin style, where it's like you know at Ole Miss, I wish I could have hit Lane Kiffin with golf ball. No, it's just like a little jab, a little. He's able to encompass the fans' idea, and also he probably felt like that too, but keep it in like a way that's not going to either get him in trouble or make him look stupid. Yeah, I said he's learning from uh, Tony Vitello, who's just he loves how insane I think is the right word for that Tennessee fans are so just yeah you got to lean into it because otherwise they're going to revolt again I mean they're they could eventually revolt against you anyways but keep them on your side as long as possible for sure yeah entirely and I do want to talk about actual obviously football news because I mean there was a I guess there wasn't news but you got to hear from the coaches and the players um this week which is is new and I we talked about it last week with the the QB talk and and I, I mean, I think we all settled. I think most of the country, most of the SEC settles that Hendon Hooker, unless you're a fan of a team that we're talking about, Hendon Hooker is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. That, that was kind of proven this week, um, getting a lot of the coaches there. You, you heard Tennessee's offense mentioned a lot by the media. Hendon Hooker mentioned a lot by the media. I think there's a ton of respect for where he's at. And um, you heard him talk. And I think he's got a we, – we, we, t- we discussed his um, – his stats and kind of where he stands. I still think he's at this weird level where he's like in the middle of being a game manager and a, and a all time playmaker. It, I, I was kind of going back and rethinking through games and maybe you can kind of correct me on this. Cause I may be wrong. I probably am wrong. There weren't any games that Hendon hooker just flat out won for you. He was close in pit. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones off the top of my head, but he was close in the pit game coming, coming from behind or not coming from behind, but coming into the game for, for Milton um, close to winning the game for you. But otherwise he has just kind of done what he's supposed to do. I think if he wants to slate himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the sec, he's got to go out and win games for Tennessee. Right. And I'll hold, hopefully protect you a little bit in case he wants to come out. I know what you're like. You're saying that he's not 31 bad. for 31 yeah. touchdowns to three interceptions. That, that's not just – you're not saying he was just getting by, you know, kind of a measly right. quarterback. You're saying, if anything, he's not at the ceiling whatsoever. Like, he was yeah. able to – like, he, he didn't just go out and be your star-studded player. Again, a lot of that was the help of some absolutely key offensive players um, that we had, in like Jamonte Payton and Bayless Jones Jr. But I, I think you're right. I think if he can excel and really come into the season, like, knowing he's the guy – I mean, obviously he didn't have that last season. He, he didn't know what he was going to be doing. He's had – all the off season and still some time coming up to prepare yep. and go in knowing he's a guy he's cocky he's in the right way. He's got, he knows what he's doing. Um, he's got a lot of confidence and I think you're right. If, if we come out to the end of the season and Hennon hookers, second best quarterback in the sec, I know I'm not surprised. I, but I think there's also a lot yeah. of media personnel and just fans around the sec and whole all of college football that would say it's not entirely too crazy i mean he's a dark horse for Heisman mm-hmm. run like i mean who knows like for sure it, we haven't seen his ceiling even a glimpse of it really to be honest 
Yeah, I, I definitely, you, you probably worded that better where it's like, he's not at his ceiling. I also, I mean, he's just got to do more if he wants to be the second best quarterback in the SEC, because I think right now, other than his touchdown to interception ratio, he does kind of find himself just in the middle. Not, I'm not saying right at number seven or eight or six, seven or eight, but we talked about how, especially in the entire country, but even in the SEC, it's just kind of Bryce Young and everyone else in the country. You yeah. have CJ Stroud. So I think in, if he wants to be Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, or hey, I would love if it was Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, he's got to go win games. He's got to go, he's got to take the next step. And I like that he talked about patience. Me and Lanning talked about this off air the other day. If Hendon Hooker cannot, can give, give himself more time to throw the ball, I think he can be more successful. And, and he talked about patience a lot. And then one thing that I know the SEC media talked about, if he hits a few more, like just a few more, not all of them, a few more of those deep balls that he missed on, those are touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, think about some of the times at last season we were talking about how close some of these games were. I mean, we were talking about just a couple key plays make a difference. And yeah. those are one of those things where when you look at the the view at the end of the season, you're like, man, that like if that would have gone differently, who knows where we're sitting and talking about. Um, so that's obviously huge. And like you said, you know, finding time himself in the pocket, obviously you return four or five starting offensive linemen. So, I mean, you know, that's he's got to feel comfortable. He's coming in the offseason again. He's working with the same guys, I think you know, figuring things out. But I think you're right. He, he definitely does have to lock in and, and cement himself where he knows he fits into the offensive scheme of Heifel the best. And obviously if there's anybody else that I want, you know, figuring out where he fits in and is able to be a top two or three quarterback in the SEC this year, I trust Heifel. I mean, I, I hope that, yeah. you know, he takes the right steps and stuff, but it's it's definitely going to be, you know, we can talk all we want right now, but it's going to have to be shown in the season. First couple of games is going to be a testament to that. And I really have no worries about our offense. As far as if they play how they did last year, I feel really good about where we end in the season. I think if Tennessee wants to be really good, and I don't think that's – I've seen some absurd people say that would be Hypo's ceiling if he wins nine games. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you can win – I think you can win nine games, eight games this year, and your defense be mediocre. Now, that takes your offense being incredible. Uh, not mediocre is not the right word. They can be okay. They can be – just do a little bit of their job, and I, and I think – I think the question is is about the defense, and, and you know, you see, you get to see Trevon Flowers go to SEC Media Days, and um, Heupel talked about him changing his body and and being much more prepared for the season, and I, I think that's going to have to be the case for a lot of the the defensive unit. I, I like where our defensive line looks right now. I think there's a lot to be proven there, um, but there's a couple guys that I think are really close to where they can take the next step: Amari Thomas, um, Tyler Barron. Um, there's a lot of guys I think there that, that can be, um, Byron Young, be very effective this year, guys around them, linebacking core. you got a lot of guys that got to take big steps that probably needed to change their body a lot. So I'm really curious to see if one full year, um, in this weight program and, and strength and conditioning program, what that does. Cause I think that's a lot of it. It's the defense. That, that's the biggest question. I mean, you've returned Cedric Tillman. Uh, we hope Jalen Hyatt takes the next step. I think anybody looking around is just what can Tennessee's defense do this year? That's the biggest question. And I think it could take you from six and six, seven and five, all the way to nine games. And that's a lot of games. That's a lot of flips. Yeah. No, I, you, you nailed it. I mean, obviously you, you get Cedric Tillman back and you hope that, you know, Brew McCoy can play and you, you fill some spots that you hope you can maintain from last season because, you know, losing those two key players on the receiver role is obviously a huge deal, but yeah, I mean, you ask anybody, I don't think anybody's really 
in between whether it's the I mean defense is the number one answer that has to be there and, right. and there's a lot of younger guys that are going to have to step up into roles that you know we would hopefully have some more matured senior players in those roles but that's one of those things that we hope that you know they can they can get in that spot and, and fill it out and you know hopefully but again that's going to be it's going to be one of the biggest thing it's going to be the big determinant games if we end up going with eight wins and you know there's a couple losses you know it's LSU is going to be a a big deal on the road because you know in that atmosphere and that right. team some most um, almost all i mean i guess it would have been all the defensive players like they haven't seen this lsu team like this they don't just that oh, situation I mean, where you're having them step up in these huge games yeah i don't even remember the last time 17 but i i mean i there can't I be a lot of guys anything. left i mean there's i'm sure there's a few here and there but not some a lot. weird covid year kind of things yeah. but yeah i mean other than that it's it's games like those that you know if while I think they're going to be close games, hopefully all day. I mean, same with the Kentucky game. It's, I I feel confident in Kentucky, but even Pitt and LSU, those are two away games that if, you know, you go and lose and you look back on it, I'd feel confident now if we were to lose those games, you look back and you say it's just common defense, defensive mistakes. I, I don't think there's going to be really a lack of success in the offense against those two teams for, for our reason. Yeah. I mean, I feel pretty cemented on the offensive side. Right, and we can. I guess we can kind of jump around just because I do want to. Um, well, I guess this isn't entirely jumping around, but uh, you mentioned LSU, um, Pitt. I think the outlook of this year, just their offense is going to be differently, dyna- dynamically different this year. Um, I think games like LSU, games like Florida, um, Kentucky's probably the same in that category. Uh, I think if your defense is good, you talk about your defense improving, then you're in that game, and then I think going back to Hendon Hooker, does he take the next step as, a, as your quarterback and your leader? Does he take those next steps? Because that LSU game, if your defense plays good, I hate we get them when they freaking hire Chip Kelly. That's a terrible dude, good coach. Um, if your defense is good, you're probably in that ball game because your offense is, is good. Your offense is going to be um, fast-paced. They're going to try – they're going to score points as much as humanly possible. If your defense is good, you're in a chance to win that game. You need Hendon Hooker to be that dude, that playmaker. You need him to be your leader in those situations. I think that's what it comes down to. So you can't put it all on Hendon Hooker until you know more about your defense, but I think this LSU game potentially could come down to, is Hendon Hooker one of the best quarterbacks in the country and the SEC? I think it could easily come down to that. Kentucky as well. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, all those games are going to be a huge test for our defense. It's it's going to be – it's night and day. I mean, that's no, – no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's that's the, the key piece. And if – like you said, the pit game, I mean, that's that's not nearly as reasonable to lose as – Yeah, but it's year, early in the year. It's tough. Ex- exactly. Those are going to be those test games that we're going to know very early on. Okay, does this defense fit in that key role? Because, I mean, let's be honest. If this defense can key in and, and reach the peak like the offense is – I mean, we, we kept Alabama on their toes with that offense last season. I mean – yeah. You see this offensive, like I know it might not look that special against some of the teams that were playing or something like that, but to have like the kind of focus on this offense that that there has been, and when you really go go back and watch it, and when I'm not in the stadium, just freaking out just every play, just because it's a little hard to analyze it when you're up in the stands having a grand time. But it, it's it's crazy. So if you can, and I mean I I think we all have hope that over the next couple of years, the defense with recruiting and things, we can fill those in. But as of next season, yeah, that's going to be a huge spot. I hope we don't look back, mm. you know, a little less than a year from now and say, if that defense was there, just like we did last season. So right. it's, it's baby steps again. We've come back to it. I'm obviously we're not looking to have a top 10 defense in the country or, you know, whatever this year, but 
Yeah, and I think that's the thing too is with this offense, you don't need that. And I'm almost ready. I'm not quite. When we get closer to the season, I get a little bit more hyped up. Like the orange starts flowing a little bit more. I'm almost ready to make the prediction that Tennessee's 4-0 going into LSU. I'm very close. Yeah. I mean, I, that's very close. That's where I mean, that's where I sit for the most part. I don't I if they're 3 and 1 at I worst think, in my opinion. I'll say that right now. They're 3 and 1 at worst. If you don't beat Florida, it's a bad year. I think bad year. we have to significantly look. And I know you might someone from the outside might look at that, "Oh, you've beat them like two times in the past how many years?" I mean, we're just it, it's it doesn't look good, but knowing on the inside the steps that have happened and the changes and nothing against Billy Napier or whatever, but that's a game that you got to win. Like if we don't win that game, we're going to be sitting there on whatever day the show is after and just, it's going to be some sad times for Tennessee fans, but I think yeah. you're right. I mean, I think we totally have that opportunity. I think we could be going five and in into Alabama. I mean, if, if we're that it's hot, there. let me tell you right now, if that's the case, that's going to be probably, hopefully, one of the most anticipated matchups of like the season in terms. Oh, of I'm I might have to sell my tickets. I could probably get them for a grand a piece. I might have. Oh yeah, to I mean Alabama <laughs> coming into the cathedral of college football and freaking right up against the wall. I mean, that place is going to be yeah. absolutely jumping. And if Tennessee wins that game, I hope you know Knoxville will not. Knoxville burns to the ground. Unfortunately, that's probably the case. I right. mean, I would love to watch it. It's one of those moments. I uh, I have this. Um, I guess it's PTSD. We were 5-0 going into A&M. I went to A&M. For 4-0 going into LSU, I'm going to not feel good. About going? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to like it. I'm not. It's one of those It's one of those things you got to do as a fan. You say, am I really the, the sole responsibility of this team? I've done it. <laughs> I've been there. I've said Correct. I can't watch the game. I'm sorry. I can't. They just don't win. I, I've unfortunately had to watch some Tennessee games from some very weird places because I'm I just get I get so superstitious. I start during baseball I, I, sitting at the house. I would put on different hats in different innings. It was it was tough. Um, I, I there's I mean I don't know I mean, when it works it works. You'll do anything when you're in that trench trying to win a game or for watch sure. them win a game. For sure. <laughs> I uh, I want to well let's let's actually look at conference first. I, I want to so you saw the I assume you saw it got released today the media's. Um, what they their rankings preseason rankings <clears throat> Tennessee we came in at third um what was the the consensus there with one vote to be first which I'm sorry you're an idiot but someone also voted for Vanderbilt so idiot it's valid yeah you you listen to Clark Lee you get fired up man I mean what what can you say I think third I I think that's weird I think it's kind of like last year last year I had our ceiling really low but our floor really high I thought there was Tennessee was going to a bowl game six and six, but I didn't think we were finishing better than eight and four in the regular season. I thought there was a really fine line there. I think that's kind of the case with the conference standings this year. I think if you look at the games you're favored in, um, you're probably worst case if you take care of business. You're sitting in third in the East, and that's not great, but it's also probably put you one way from finishing second in the East. And I think that's the absolute best Tennessee can finish this year. And I think we should be happy if that is the case. Yeah, I didn't see. I'm. Assuming you're saying for the East, so it's Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky was second. Um, I believe it was Tennessee, or sorry, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri, or Florida, Missouri, Vanderbilt, maybe. Florida might have been ahead of South Carolina, but it was something in that order, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I have a, I have a thing here. Not calling anybody out, but. You know, I think it's Lance Dahl, host of the Locked On Kentucky podcast or whatever. 
he said something uh, in an interview at Media Days. I believe it was along the lines of, it wasn't sure that Georgia could be finished first in the SEC East and that it was instead going to be Kentucky at first. Which, okay, at first, like, at first, I was like, okay, I'll hear you out. That's, um, come on. Like, that's a bold statement. And again, if you're playing theoreticals, okay. You know, play yeah. your cards right and the weird things fall into place. I guess I get it. It's fair. <laughs> but I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure he was just prompted the question, how do you think the two, the, the conference finishes this year? And I don't, I do not think Kentucky's going to outdo Georgia. I know Georgia loses a lot yeah. of talent, but it's also, I think that they know what they're doing with recruiting. Well, I think, I think for Tennessee and in Kentucky, that's the thing is Kentucky, uh, I need to see who their other, I think their non is Ole Miss, not Ole Miss. Their non rotating is, is it Mississippi State? Is that their, their West? Whoever it is, it's not in Alabama. Um, and then they, they obviously, I don't, I can't remember who they, I need to pull it up right now. But Kentucky may be in a similar situation to Tennessee where it's like, all right, worse, they're probably third place. Kentucky's going to be, unfortunately, I think pretty solid this year. Um, I think getting Will Levis back is big. But I just don't see a situation where they can beat Georgia. And that means they don't lose enough, they, they only lose one SEC game. Um, I don't see, see, I don't see a situation like that for Tennessee. I think Tennessee, I don't think they could beat Georgia this year. I don't think they could beat Alabama, but if they were to beat Georgia, that means they can't lose to anybody, anyone besides Alabama. That means they have to beat LSU yeah. and Florida. Um, they have to beat Kentucky. I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. I don't see Georgia being able to beat Kentucky beating Georgia head to head and knocking off everyone else. I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't. Yeah, and we have to remember that we're in the you know, powerhouse of college football. So while, you know, we might not be able – like when you look at Georgia and Alabama as the, the two leaders of the East and the West, if you're coming from another conference, you got to remember these were the two teams playing for a national championship last year. So it's right. it's it's okay to be right behind Georgia in the East. Like being second isn't necessary. Like if we, if we reach like, – like you said, there's like maybe your ceiling's iffy, but your floor is pretty solid. You have standards that you have to meet. And right. I think Tennessee should be pretty solid at at the standard that they're going to have to be at. I mean, eight and four, I, eight and four, I think has to be because if you go in and you lose Alabama, Georgia, given, and if you, I guess you just want to throw maybe Kentucky and LSU. I, I really don't think if you lose to Kentucky, LSU, and Pitt, that's seven five. It's just, I mean, like that's that's like getting to basement. Like it's below. I do, I, I think seven, and I think this year is similar yeah. to last year where it's like your ceiling is only so high. I think you're. Since probably nine and three, um, I, I just think your your schedule isn't super ideal. It's not bad, but it's not super ideal. So I think you're you're. I think it would be unfair to be mad at like, and again, it does depend on you lost. I mean that that's just the fact of the matter. But right right now, if you told me you go seven and five, I'm I'm probably not too upset. I want to see what the losses are and how they them about. But I, I just I can't say right now that that's just absolutely terrible. But I, I do think your I do think your ceiling's just very very limited, and, and I just looked at Kentucky's schedule. They get Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I'm going to go ahead and chalk Ole Miss up as a loss. Um, so maybe that's their one SEC loss. But you know, if they somehow knock off Georgia, I don't see it happening. But Mississippi State's supposed to be better. Who knows? I mean, and I mean Kentucky's just they're not a dominant program. I'm sorry, I don't believe it. Then they have Tennessee. You mentioned how. A lot of people would look at, oh, you you think you can beat Florida in a bad year, and you have it. You can you've only done it, you know, once in, since two thousand four. Kentucky's only done it three three times since two thousand twelve, I believe. 
Um, and they've been in some of Tennessee's worst years. One was before the year before they fired Dooley. They lost to an interim the next year. They beat Butch Jones when he was on his deathbed. They beat a Jeremy Pruitt team that was just abysmal and in a tailspin. So I just don't – I think it's the same level, like you said, about Tennessee with Florida. If you're an outsider, I don't see how you could have Kentucky beating Tennessee, which goes in – it's a Kentucky guy saying they're going to – they could come in first. But, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's not a win for Kentucky in any year. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's going to – like you said, it's favorable for whichever side you're coming from. If you're seeing from their side, it's obviously going to be, well, if you see from our side – we're going to have orange goggles on. That's just, that's the way right. how it goes. That's, that's what happens. I mean, we could look back at what we're saying after the season and be like, wow, we <laughs> but I mean, that's just, that's the probably, I'll probably football fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the point. If you look back and you're like, wow, I nailed everything. I just, that's not, that's not the point. You look back and you say, I don't know shit I'm talking about. That's why I don't coach college football or I'm not a part of, a, you know, I don't do this for a living, you know? Right. <clears throat> Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it could be a weird year in the East, and I don't think. I think it's because every team, two through six, could kind of beat up on each other. I think Georgia, they were rightfully number one in the preseason polls. I know they lost a lot, but I, they're just they're ahead of everybody. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, uh, but yeah, I think that, not. I <clears throat> no, you're good. I was uh, only saying that I think they're just not. There's. I know that they lost players, but I have to see something distinct for that yeah. to be like a fallout for them to just drop to not number one in the East. That's just not. And it's yeah. Stetson Bennett. You get your your national championship winning quarterback back. I have to think he takes a step forward. That I think is significant for for Georgia. I don't I don't think he's as good as Hendon Hooker on his best day, but that's I think it's significant. Um, I do find the West interesting. I just find it interesting. I think a lot of people are high on Ole Miss. They didn't get a single vote for number one. They're in fourth behind Arkansas and AM and of course Alabama. And then LSU at fifth. I if that works, if it works out that way in terms of their end of season record, I think Tennessee now you're talking Tennessee should finish second, because that probably means you you beat LSU if they're finishing yeah. fifth in the West. If if they finish fifth. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I was going to say I lost you. I don't know if it's me or you, though. Um, Better? Yeah, got your back. <clears throat> but, so, yeah, that was yeah, – Go ahead. Sorry. No, I think I, all I was, was finishing on that point of if if that's the scenario, I don't even know – I don't know LSU schedule off the top of my head, but that would be <laughs> – for them to have that many losses and one of them is not Tennessee, I don't know. I My my expectations of LSU is a little better than that, and I don't think Ole Miss is going to be that good. I, I think – they got a little bit too much hype, a little bit overrated. Obviously, I'm a little biased there, but I don't, I don't see them finishing that well. Yeah, I, don't, I think they're overrated too. I'm just shocked because the media's, the, like you said, they're overrated. The media's hyping them up a lot, so I thought their preseason would be better. Um, I think they certainly could finish fourth. I think it's very. I think Arkansas is going to be good this year with. Um, um, can't think of his last name right now for some reason. KJ Jefferson um, leading them again. I think they take a step forward. So, yeah, I think it's very possible they finish fourth. I pay. I would be all for LSU being down there. Should mean good stuff for Tennessee. Yes, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go to – before we get into baseball, um, like we mentioned, the MLB draft, uh, they also released their preseason all-SEC teams. Byron Young was uh, first team. Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, and Darnell Wright were second team. 
And then Cooper Mays, Jeremy Banks, and Trayvon Flowers, and Paxton Brooks, sorry, uh, were named a third team. So a lot of recognition for the Vols. I, I hope Paxton Brooks is an all-SEC guy. I think the special team started out in a really good position, um, and they I just didn't think they finished the year very strong. Special teams are, hey, they're where the game's won. Um, I'm a special teams guy. I believe it, firmly believe it. I think, too, I think it helps teams that are on the – they're kind of on the cusp like Tennessee is this year uh, of being able to knock off some guys. If you're clean and good in the special teams game, you probably win some games you're not supposed to. It's, it's the it's a wild side of the ball. Yeah, I, absolutely anything can happen. I agree. You're not off there by one bit. I love it. I'd love to see uh, see some big-time big field goals this year. I'd love to see some big-time um, – defensive special teams play. We have that pump block at Pitt. I would love some more of those. Absolutely love some chaos. Dude, I missed that. That was the most insane thing ever. I was so pissed off. This is why I don't, like, if you miscoordinate stuff on game day, like, I'm just very, like, maybe just because everybody else doesn't care and I care so much. So, like, I'm just trying to rally everybody together. It's like 20 people. I'm just like, let's get to the damn stadium. And it's like, I think it's, I mean, because it was very early in the game. I think, like, we were, I mean, we weren't that late. We were still pulling up at a decent time. And, I mean, that roar was insane. And I don't know if we were just in the perfect spot, but it was so loud coming from that spot, like right up Peyton Manning. I don't remember where we were at that point, but it was – and I was so pissed about that. I thought I thought like something miracle had happened. I thought we were like, oh, my God, Hail Mary first play or something. I don't know. But. You'll, have to, you'll have to be in the uh, – at the more important issues tailgates this year. It is – the only way I can describe it is organized chaos. It, it is insane how fast and how crazy the car is – I, I think I'm a great packer. That's like where my dad mode comes in. I get the car packed before the game. Everything's, you know, what needs to come out first, what needs to come out last is in the bottom or in the back. Um, at, when I unpack it on Sunday morning, it is just a mess. But everything gets loaded up. We get to the game in time almost always. Um, we actually usually get there before the band even comes on the field. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. you you got to be on time for the game. It drives me nuts. I know this is going to make me sound like I am a nerd. This is going to make verify it. I love the pregame band. I, that is my, one of my favorite things about game day is watching the band's pregame. Um, so I got to get usually I try to get there in time for that for sure. Yeah. No, I mean I that's it. not nerdy at all. That's just loving football. That's a, you're a football guy. That's that's how it should be. I mean, there's not top five feelings packing up a car for a tailgate or like that feeling. Oh, when it's a fresh Saturday morning, like the like grass is still a little dewy. You got the car packed. You're going early. For sure. Oh. I'm getting chills. We're, we're in the dog days of summer right now, but SEC media days has just passed, and I think we are just coasting straight to college football. Oh, it's, it's, it's rapidly coming. What are we at now, 41, 41 days? I think it's 41. I put a countdown on my phone, um, so I just never had to go back and count. 41 days. What's so that's, baby? I, we're, we're getting there. We're we get to the 30s. I'm telling you, 30, 41 and 39 is going to be a distinctive difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, and I've, I've got that weekend planned out. It's going to be good. I don't think I'm going to get to tailgate Thursday. Um, or if I do, it's going to be very, very brief, like not a full thing, just getting some chairs out of the car and some beers. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. I'll be tailgating Thursday. So Yeah, you, you're off class. You're out of class. Like, you have to. It's, it's your I mean, I, duty. Yeah, no. I mean, I don't think we even got a break last year, but I won't be attending the classes. <laughs> that's the goal. I don't think anybody else will anyway. But I, I get that maybe the the university can't say no classes, but I think every professor should have the ability to say no class. Like that should be allowed. And, and I do. And, and I know some prof- I just must have got a bad look draw. But I mean, come on. If I'm a professor, dude, I'm, you're not. I'm there. I'm tailgating. I, I I don't want to be in class. I'm not teaching you that day. We got a game. 
Yeah, and just use some like common sense. If you don't care about football, understand that a large portion of your students in your class care about it. Let them have fun. They're, college is just as much of an educational experience as it is a life experience. And football's kind. It's there's a lot of people that come to Tennessee because of fall. Like that's it. It's that simple. Yeah, a lot of people. So um, I do want to talk some. Uh, there's a lot of people coming down here for baseball now, and I want to I want to talk about the falls and the draft. I. I don't know how much of a baseball guy you are, so if you want to dive deeper into these, you can. I'm going to leave that for Landon. I'm not going to try to pretend. I'm not going to sound like more of an idiot than I already am. Um, so I'm just going to read off these names. Um, you can dive in. Drew Gilbert went to the, the Astros. Jordan Beck to the Rockies. Um, both of them are in the first round. Blade Tidwell went to the Mets. What is what is it called? It's not the first round, but it's not the second round. Do you know what it's called? It's like the supplemental picks, I think. Yeah, now you're getting too deep in. See, I, I I don't even know it. That's how deep I am. But it's not second round, not the first round. Whatever. He went to the Mets. Good for good for Blade. Um, Trey Lipscomb went to the Nationals. Ben Joyce to the Angels. Will Mabry to the Diamondbacks. Jarrell Ortega to the Twins. Seth Stevenson to the Tigers. Mark McLaughlin to the White Sox. And Cortland Lawson to the Nationals. Those were all your drafted Tennessee players. Um, and then you had uh, Evan Russell sign with the – oh, this is the only one I didn't write down. He signed with the – I can't remember now. I'm going to have to look it up real quick. But he oh, did yeah. sign a free agency contract with um, with someone. I cannot believe that's the only one I didn't write down. Is it Angels or Dodgers? Why? I don't know why that sticking in my head. For Angels kind of sounds right, but also, yes, Angels. It's like, it sounds right, but it doesn't at the same time. So, But the Angels, you're right. Yeah, no, that's – I mean, if, you, if you're a recruit right now or just – I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, listen to all the talk that happened this past season about – Tennessee baseball team. I mean, people are saying, you know, you're going to look back at that class in 10 years and realize that that was probably one of the most dynamic and top, like, I mean, assuming, assumably, I mean, hopefully 10 years down the line, a lot of these guys are star MLB players, but there's no doubt that there's that talent there, but this just boosts the line. I mean, if you're going to college and not going from high school to the draft and you're like, okay, well, this program wants me. I'm I'm taking this program to get me to the league because this obviously seems to be a great transition program. I mean, it's only going up from here. I mean, hopefully we finish better than we did last year, not even record-wise, you know, position-wise. Right. But, you know, even if you're able to maintain that at the height of college baseball nationally, then I mean, that's just nonstop recruit inflow and kind of being at that point where you get to pick and choose what you want. You're not reaching on a couple positions. You're able to sit back and wait for the, the real, real talent that's going to take you far and – just keep recycling that process. As long as Tony B's there, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I agree. He's a phenomenal recruiter. Um, him and his staff develop. Like, I'm not worried at all. Even This is a big loss. It's the most in program history and, and to get drafted in one year. The only team in the country that had more this this draft was Oklahoma. Um, Arkansas had nine, so Tennessee had the most in the SEC. You also had Reggie Crawford, who was committed to Tennessee. And we talked about it before the draft, that it could come down to um, – Money is right where he gets drafted. He was drafted. Was he second round? He was high. I, I can't remember exactly the the number now, um, but he was drafted high. So losing Reggie Crawford, who was a transfer from UConn, that obviously stinks. You were excited to get him. Um, yeah, he was thirtieth overall. So yeah, he was going. Uh, got drafted by the Giants. But yeah, no Tennessee. Everything points to you should become Tennessee is one of those programs. I'm not saying it's the only program. Obviously, you have uh, Oklahoma had more drafted. They can. You know, you can go from there. You have Vanderbilt, you have Old Miss, you have all these programs, but Tennessee's submitting themselves and with those names now. So, yeah, I'm with you. Tony Vitello, trust him. 
Yeah, and I'm glad to see those guys get paid. They obviously, I mean, that's still some of the, you know, three years from now we might look at differently. But, I mean, these these players were some of the guys that were not coming for the number one team call. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't that dynamic right. yet, it, that that precedent yet. So it's really good to see these guys that we've loved for a while get, get that money's worth and head on to the next stage. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm, I'm pumped. Um, I do want to mention, too, Tennessee had a um, – a signee, uh, Caden Markham, he did get drafted in the 13th round. He hasn't signed yet, so not sure what's happening there. Landon may know uh, on Sunday, so we'll ask him. But that that did happen. I don't know if Tennessee is going to get him or not. I don't know where that happens. Um, but he was taken in the 13th round, so we'll see. Yeah, positive future, bright future for the NCAA baseball team. Uh, let's let's get to let's get to some segments. Um, I'm going to keep these short. I do got to. Friday. I'm going to get you guys out of here. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I haven't eaten dinner yet, so I'm, I'm starving. But I, I do have a stupidity and then some some more important issues with, with more important issues. Um, I'm going to send... If I send you a picture, it'll go straight to the computer and you get it in here easily. If you what? Or will it take a minute? If I send it, text you a picture, can you get it up here pretty quickly or will it take a minute? Um, it'll take... Because my thing's not linked right now. Okay. Uh, I'll just... I, I'll save that for a fail for Sunday. Uh, my first stupidity is me. Um, I enter the Augusta, the Masters Lottery, every single year. I'm never going to get it, but I do it with with real hope in my heart. I just I, There's something I believe that I'm going to win this year. Never happened, and I'm convinced it never will happen. So Yeah, but that's, I think that's just a natural feeling. It's kind of like, same with lottery ticket, but literally for like the amplitude of golf. I mean, like, no, you're not going to yeah. win the $90 trillion jackpot, but... I mean, I feel like when I bought that lottery ticket, I look at the numbers. That's that's the winning numbers. I mean, those are literally going to be on my TV tomorrow morning. So, so you yeah, start kind of. I kind of start planning though in my head when I click submit or when I buy the the lottery ticket. I'm like, what will be my first purchase to be, or where am I going to stay? Dude, yeah, you start like doing like a little research. Yeah. Hotels in the area. You're yeah. like, just in case I, can I want to be at the top of the hotels and maybe an Airbnb exactly. or something. I need I need to know all the things because people are on their heels right now. I'm ready to go though. I mean, I know what. And then, yeah, you don't even have like a billionth of a chance because you just the luck. Um, but I, I talk myself into it too much. Yeah, when the day it does come, you're going to be the most prepared Augusta practice round or real round winner <laughs> out there. That's what I, I have. You ever done the Masters lottery? Um, yeah, I like did it with my brother for the past several years, except for COVID or whatever. But yeah, he's kind of been the one that like actually does it. But yeah, the same yeah. sense about yeah, same process so, where we get excited. For right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I tickets though. For, so I've got three brothers, and we've always said if either of us win, any of us win, we're, we're taking each other. Like those tickets are for us. I ask for three tickets for every single day, Monday, Sunday. I want to go. Like I'll, I'm not saying I'll go to all those, um, but I, if given the opportunity, I'm purchasing a ticket for every single round. I don't care how much it is. I think it was like. Because the tickets aren't expensive. I think it's like for four people, four tickets. So I assume you have to pay like the day you win. Um, it's not that. It's like twenty four hundred bucks. It's not. Yeah. Completely destroy you if you if you get it. So, right. For what yeah, you'd no, expect I'm, I'm it is with the game. right. I'll, I will tell you. Yeah. I did at the memorial tournament uh, up in like near Columbus, Ohio. I did all mm-hmm. seven day. Like I went Monday to Sunday, and. I like I'll sit there and watch golf terms all day. I, I love them in person, and I know the Masters would be entirely different, but it it drains you, dude. Especially if it's hot out or something, dude. Like the experience yeah. of just like all around the golf course for like six days straight, 
and Mondays are also at the Masters is totally different, but Mondays is like no one's there because they really just finished the day before. They're still flying in and stuff. But yeah. not only that, but you'll rack up a bill at the concessions. Not the Masters though. You know, <laughs> Masters respects the pockets of people, but maybe some other PJ Tour locations will take after that. Yeah, and I I messed up, man. I um I went to so what do you, I mean it's a golf tournament, but it's not pro golfers. It's the celebrity one out in Tahoe. The um. Oh, I remember the name fun. of it now, but Edgewood. Yeah, so I went out to that, and I'm an idiot. I went to Reno the night before. Um, I didn't even do any gambling, but I stayed. I didn't go to bed the night before, that Friday night. I didn't go to sleep. Um, we got there at 8 a.m., and I'm an idiot, and I kept drinking, thinking like, hey, just have more beers in you, and you'll you'll be wide awake. Uh, that is not true, guys. <laughs> it doesn't wake you up. So, yeah, I was surprised by the time. I work. Yeah, right. Um, maybe I should have got some tequila shots in me. But, yeah, by 4 p.m., 5 p.m. that day, I slept for, I think, 13 hours that night. So I was, I was Yeah. It was awesome. It's worth it, though. Um, I got one. Not getting political or anything, but the Dave Chappelle show got canceled <laughs> in Minneapolis or something. Yeah, not going to get political, but <laughs> basically. I, I, and here's my thing. I just, and I'm, again, people do whatever they want. If, shouldn't, I mean, I, I get the venue has the right to say who gets to perform for whatever. But if one, you're turning down a lot of money Two, if that person has something that you may not agree with one, they're comedy comedian. Well, comedian it's, I feel like unless you're just an awful person, but at that point you're not going to pull in crowds. It was a sellout show. And I think every show for him is obviously a sellout sellout. So, I mean, if there's obviously that bigger problem, there's not a problem with fans that are going to come watch him. It seems pretty obvious that people are waiting to fly into your venue to watch him perform. So, you know what? I don't know. But yeah, the, I don't, look, there's right. some people. <laughs> there's some people who take the million dollars stance. Um, Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson aren't one of them. But yeah, I I, I don't get it with comedians because, like you said, there has to be this level of understanding that they're doing. Comedy, I, I, like comedy, is pointing out just a lot of times there are, like you said, there are just mean comedians that are mean about people to people, but it's usually not the really, it's usually not the really good ones that are selling out stadiums. That's very rare. Then no well, right, doing crowd work in stadiums. Right, exactly. It's like if it's it. I feel like the comedy realm should be something, and something every comedian here you hear him say it kind of works itself out if it's someone that's just saying gross things and like everyone's like this guy stinks he's literally just like verbally assaulting the crowd or like being slugging people out no one's gonna go i'm not gonna go like if you don't enjoy him then he's not good but it's funny to see the people that are selling out like stadiums and arenas still get backlash like well eighty thousand people wanted to go see him so i think he's probably doing okay i think you might have a problem with it but i think the eighty thousand people might not so it's comedy let's just america was that uh, the, no, the stadium? I think it was, it oh, was, was a it? significantly small, smaller venue. I think I'm just talking about in general, but I know he's had, yeah. he's had some where it's, I mean, they're, they are stadium tours and they'll get yeah backlash and people will say like people shouldn't go, but whatever. It's I guess. A, I mean, yeah. It's, it is very just like, it's interesting all around. Interesting decision. Um, I don't have any more stupidities. Do you have any more? You, I mean, I've got, I think two more important issues and more important issues. I got one more short stupidity, and it's just the fact okay. that COVID's, COVID's seeming to come to a halt. We're in the prime of summer, and that means one thing. 
giant Disney World brawls are back, and I'm here for it because that's the thing. Oh, dude, like the the big theme park brawls where it's just two families going back and forth. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like when they just, I, I, I mean, I first. I, oh my gosh, dude, you're there's a whole world inside of Twitter. <laughs> every every, I mean, it just seems to be like every week, but somehow the you know you know the Disney adults they got their their you know name and then the family vacation 2022 or whatever. <laughs> And I personally, there's nothing Stop more watching. I enjoy watching than those two, like, typically, like, just Alabama family-looking families just brawl at it in the middle of, like, a theme park. And you see Mickey Mouse in the background, like, kind of, like, not sure what to do. And it's probably all over, like, one spot in a line. I've been to Disney once, and I, it's it's actually, like, probably one of the favorite people-watching things. It's just the, the anger that comes up. So, you know, if you're looking for some fun people-watching, just go check out, you know, big theme park brawls on Twitter. The people get at it. I didn't experience anger. I don't remember experiencing anger. I did get angry, not at my nieces. Um, kind of funny. I tried to be funny about it. It was during the it was during the fireworks. Parades are lame. I'll never understand parades. Fireworks are awesome. Uh, I the fireworks are sick. I enjoy bright time. I hate the people that shoot them off for no reason. That pisses me off. Yeah. But fireworks at Disney World are incredible. And my nieces were I don't know they were complaining about something. I turned around and I was like. You've had your day at Disney. Shut up. This is my time. I'm going to enjoy this. You can cry after. Shut up. You saw your fairies. I'm going to enjoy some sick pyrotechnics, and we're going to talk about it later, okay? Hold on for 30 minutes. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. I don't remember anger. Don't it's just – I. It's, it's the same thing as, like, random gas station or bar fights. It's just some people get <laughs> tense up in the, in the wonderful Disney world and decide let's, let's brawl in the middle of the, the most magical place on earth, so – love it um all right more important issues more important issues um first one this may be short i don't know maybe be to guess into i think you might cut out a little bit sure oh dang it there you go you're coming back i hear you Kool-Aid man the pitcher, or is he the Kool-Aid inside of the pitcher? He's the pitcher. He's got to be, right? But, I mean... I would think. If he's just an empty pitcher, it's not nearly the same. But at the same time, he's got to be the, he's gotta be the pitcher himself. I mean, his eyes are on the pitcher. He's his, He walks as the pitcher. Right, because then you would, technically speaking, I assume you're pouring out Kool-Aid. Wouldn't you have hundreds of right. thousands it, of Kool-Aid men? You have an right. If, if the Kool-Aid man was like a glass instead of a pitcher it wouldn't like i wouldn't be nearly as drawn to drink kool-aid it would just be more of like a, oh yeah like you're just a glass of kool-aid it's kind of a random mascot but when it's a pitcher so i think the pitcher is what makes it special i don't i don't know but then at the same time if you put like yellow kool-aid in there is that's not the kool-aid man either i don't think interesting so it can only be red or can it, it can be any has, color I mean, of kool-aid think, can he be, be purple yeah, I mean, it could be any color, but it just wouldn't look like the Kool-Aid man. But yeah, I mean, without without the iconic picture, I don't think he's the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> it's all parts. All parts equal. Yeah. You get around that question. Um, this one is actually, this is a, I don't think we've done any sports. Well, we did do one sports one. It was the home run debate. Home run versus, was it? Was it Dunkin' versus hit? Yeah. yeah. Um, this one is, I find this fascinating. I think I'm going to, I need to do it on Madden. I don't know which Madden I have to get. Um, do you think you could win a game 
or who'd win in a game? 11 Vince Wilporks or 11 Darren Sproles? You're saying like just 11 on 11? Yeah, so every position is Darren Sproles, every position is Vince Wilpork. <laughs> I mean, I got to give this this slight to the offense, like Darren Sproles, right? I mean, I don't, I mean, you're right. I don't know Madden. Like, I mean, his speed's probably like just wicked because it's Darren Sproles, but. Right. Well, okay, How, yeah, I mean, technically, if you get a good enough shotgun formation and, and you get a Darren Sproles out on uh, wide out, he's he's burning with Vince Wilfork all day. I'm sorry, but he's tiny. Right. So that's, he's going to have to gain some distance really quick, but I don't know if Darren Sproles can throw a ball, but he's going to have to. If he can, then yeah, that all day. But here's my question, too. Does it just come down to who has the ball last? Because I would think, I guess you could put 10 in the box on Darren Sproles or 11 in the box. If you're Darren Sproles, but Vince Wilford, you're not going to bring him down. Behind, you're never going to bring him down behind the last scrimmage. So if he can just gain three yards, three and a half yards it down. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's it's going to slow it down. The whole strategy. It would be interesting to see a sheer tackle against Vince Wilford versus Darren Sproles. I would love to see just a full head to head tackle on there. <laughs> um, Vince Wilford, just, he's not just, he's a quick. Big and he's not as quick as Darren Sproles. Vince Wolfork though is a quick human being for his size. Yeah. I don't think it's as simple as just go for the go for the legs. You'd have to have three or four guys going for the legs at once. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting matchup. They have to do it on Madden. I'm with you. I think Darren Sproles has the edge, but I think it comes down to who has the ball last. Dude, you're right. Wait, I totally didn't even think about Darren Sproles has to play defense. I was just naturally thinking like, yeah, who's going to be able to like? Is it going to get touchdown? Or is it going to get stopped? Yeah, there's no no there's. <laughs> I unless you're able to catch him early, I don't know how many Darren Sproles are going to tackle Vince Wilfork. I mean, yeah, he's you're right. He's not even just like a big fridge. He's just he's going to still be able to. Well, and they have to line up on the defensive line system too, so they're always going to get at least some. Never going to get like any all, pressure. Yeah. Same on right. offense, you can be. And a maybe we find out Vince Wilfork can throw. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's got like an absolute gun on him. I mean, you can set up and like. <laughs> almost a punt style formation for shotgun. And I still think, I mean, that the Darren Sproles O-line is going to get absolutely just destroyed in like half a millisecond. Maybe we get to see it on the wing tee. Maybe both. Well, no, I think you line up Darren Sproles in a punt-like formation. Because they then you just, maybe not quite punt range in terms of depth, but maybe a little bit deeper than shotgun and just run sprint outs the whole time. I think that's what you do with Darren Sproles. That's what I would assume has to happen. Never going to touch the edge. Vince will work ever. No. Um, I love it. We'll have some more of those. I love that. Uh, I don't know if we'll have during football season. Maybe it's a good off-season, off-season chat. Um, appreciate you guys listening Friday night. We'll get you guys out of here. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed your beverage with us, whether it was alcoholic or not. Um, I won't judge you either way. We'll be back on Sunday. I think Landon will be back. Um, but we'll be back Sunday. Probably talk some more SEC media days with Landon, get some of his opinions. Definitely talk some MLB. I think there's maybe some recruiting coming up. So, maybe some announcements happening. There was one announcement today. Oh, my gosh. We actually didn't talk about that at all, but I figured we had to oh, a little bit. Oh, gosh. I forgot I sent you the um, – yeah, I sent you the – I'll just mention him. We'll get uh, – talk, we'll talk more and say. Um, but you sent it the outline before. I hope that happened. I did. I did. Uh, um, let's get all the information pulled up here. I don't want to – we, I don't know if you've seen people tweet at us if we, if we use 247 rival and we use the stars incorrectly. Um, but three-star wide receiver Nathan Leacock committed Tennessee today. So 
I, I listen, we'll talk about it more. We'll, we'll get into yeah. his. Oh, it's all good. If you haven't seen one. his decision video, go watch it. It's pretty tough. Good it's video. It. It's pretty good. You gotta like wow. scroll to the ending. The ending's like the best part, obviously. I'll watch it so we get off here. All right, Joe, good seeing you. We'll give a Use good well. looking hat here soon. And uh, better go balls. Yes, sir.